are live for another episode of First Strike. Before we start the show, I'll plug our main sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles. And there's a spring sale going on. We're in week one, end of week one. There's another week and lots of low prices for a lot of sealed products. So definitely go to FaceToFaceGames.com and uh, also check out MTGNationals.ca. Nationals coming up. It's happening during Canada weekend. and. Hopefully one of these fine gents on the show might become the next Canadian national champion. Um, I'm really excited. We've got Derek. We've got Annie in the house. We've got frequent returning guests now. He's getting close to Shaheen's record. Daniel Forney in the house because he just crushed another MTGO PTQ. How's it going, Dan? Congratulations, wait, my man. Wait, Shaheen's ahead of me? <laughs> Probably. He's like more magic. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks for having me, as always. Always super happy to see you, Daniel. And um, we, we might have uh, another member of uh, Team First Strike. <laughs> uh, that team doing well. Dean McLaren might drop by. He just won uh, face-to-face games Red Deer with KCI. So if he's available, he might jump on later on oh, yeah. in the show. And uh, we've got two members of uh you know the the, the pro tour first strike and uh, after, the, my shirt. <laughs> after the first pt none of them uh it didn't go so well for the team sadly whoa whoa, whoa. uh <laughs> i think we've had uh i think like yeah never mind no we just we're just bad <laughs> that's it <laughs> we're not dead last but we're, we're damn well close pts aside though you've been you know, accumulating these uh, GP top eights and, and these results, that's why we, we actually keep having you on. Um, wow. Like, where are you at in, in your Magic uh, grind? Are you still playing as, as you've ever been? Uh, I've been playing a lot less recently. Uh, I've mostly been an uh, extremely Magic online guy. Uh, I've been working weekends more often than not, so I try to go to GPs when I can, but between the schedule being, like, all team events, and uh, I don't uh, have any friends so team gps are really hard for me uh but between that team working like most weekends i just tend to i mean i definitely don't play magic online at work wink wink but uh yeah <laughs> less magic than ever but i don't know still uh still doing fine i guess on our last episode uh derek you were you were pretty high on green black and stricter um i see it's finished it was 8-1. It was a one copy in A1, the PTQ that Dan played at. Um, you know, what, what did you feel about black-white vehicles winning the, the whole thing, Derek? Um, I was very surprised. And I was also very surprised with Fournier's uh, responses. Because um, I'm in a group chat with some guys, and they're like, oh, Fournier won the PTQ. He was undefeated in the Swiss, and then just won the event uh, with black-white. I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure Black White's not that good. There must be some tech there. Like, Fournier must have it, and we must not know about it. Decklist is released. No tech. Fournier says, you just have to play tight. And I was like, sounds fake, but all right. But uh, I guess that's just, like, the truth. I don't know. I've That's what I've been finding about this format. It's really surprising to me because our last four or five formats have been there's a best deck, and it's been probably broken. This format's like, pick your deck, play it well, know how to sideboard, and understand the metagame. And I think that's what happened in Birmingham this weekend, and if I had to guess, I, you could ask Fournier yourself, but I think that's probably what happened with Fournier's success. 
I, I don't know if my deck was actually that strong. It's kind of a weird thing to say after literally not losing a match to win a tournament, but I, I, I don't really know what happened. There are a lot of matchups, uh, sorry, there are a lot of matchups in the format that feel very easy for Black White, especially in a three game set. Because you have this uh, linear aggressive game plan game one that's like really bad pretty much all the time. And then you board into a bunch of Wraths and card advantage. And then you literally can't lose against green decks because you have three Fumigates in your deck and they play to the board because for some reason they still don't think you're going to play Fumigate because you played Toolcraft Exemplar game one and nobody played when Mardu was in the format, apparently. So you're just able to win these post-board games against green decks. But like, I don't know. The deck's like not that powerful. I just felt like I was able to win every match, and then I did, and I don't really know why. <laughs> uh, Black-Red seems like a, a much better deck, conceptually. It feels like it should be doing that aggressive with a mid-range slant much better than uh, Black-White is, and yet I felt super favored in every game I played, so I don't know. This format's weird. I was uh, hanging out with, with uh, my friend Alex Hayne when we heard the news that you had won, and he, he, he was, like, messing with me. He's like, wow, he, he won with a Team First Strike deck. I'm like, what? No, he didn't. And uh, it's just because a lot of your creatures have First Strike, coincidentally. Yeah, creatures with abilities are better with better than creatures with no abilities. Some of Vigilance, some of First Strike. I should put a Path of Metal in this deck. That'd be sick. What uh? What's the creature type on most of them? Uh, White knight, hell yeah, dude! Soy boys for life. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's let's get your thoughts on uh, on Dan's results, Andy. Well, black white was uh, one of the first decks that I looked to as being good because it, it abused a lot of the the best new cards. So history banalia. And uh, has the it can play Scrap Heap Scrounger and therefore all the other good artifacts from Kaladesh block that go with it. <clears throat> and Karn just happens to synergize with that block a lot too. And it also gets versatile answers. So it, it does a better job at <clears throat> being a mid-range deck post-board and, and uh, <clears throat> even in the game ones than the red-black deck does. It's a worse aggro deck, but some of its threats are actually better. Like History of Banalia versus a control deck is very punishing. It's like three mana deal ten. And so that kind of thing is actually pretty, gives it a pretty big edge to me because it can play the mid-range and control gameplay and it flows into that way more smoothly. And uh, Fumigates out of the board is just what white decks have been doing for a long time, especially when you have cards like Karn and Gideon that do everything, right? They, they attack, they protect, and they, uh, they move you to the mid-range game really well. So I'm not surprised that white-black did very well. It, it functions underpowered. It reminds me of, like, the blue-white flash deck where, like, in theory, a lot of your cards suck, but you just keep winning if you play well. But uh, that's kind of the feeling I get when I played the deck, too, is, like, your cards suck, but they're also, like, sort of powerful. You're not actually functioning on that much synergy, but enough things are going right that, like, your, your deck can win with a bunch of different combinations of cards. And it doesn't have to have like a super aggressive plan. It can it can go long. So it doesn't surprise me the deck did very well. The the deck's very good at a couple of things that are very important in this format, which are playing to the board and protecting and pressuring planeswalkers. 
between Heart of Kieran's, uh, uh, what's the card called? History of Benalia, uh, the Three Mana Gideon. It, it has a lot of creatures that are able to uh, have an effective impact on the board early and use that to take an advantage, certainly like gain an advantage in the like mid range planeswalker game with Chandra's and Karns, which is very important in uh, most of the matchups you're playing. Like, you're uh, something uh, Jerry T said, I think, on the GAM podcast that was very interesting, is that you're playing Heart of Kieran in this deck less as a, I'm going to attack you for four damage every turn and hope it works, and more as more of a, I want this Heart of Kieran in place, so that when I play my Karn on turn four, I can protect it very effectively. Uh, and that's what this deck is good at. It's good at creating a Karn advantage, maintaining that Karn advantage, and through all that, having more card advantage in like post board games than any other deck can. Hmm. Thoughts on picking up this deck, Andy? Um, so it it looks like it's pretty tough to play because you have to switch your game plans off like pretty often, and recognizing what kind of game plan will help you protect or pressure planeswalkers, which is like Dan said, the format is so much about planeswalkers right now that uh it's it'll be i think it'll be tough to make sure that you walk the balancing act enough to be able to uh, switch game plans when you need to or recognize that your hand's not going to be that good at beating down so you need to like stay alive and just making sure that the play pattern that you take fits your draw not necessarily some of the draws that you have in other games with the deck so i think i think i would pick it up but it's uh it's it's more known now, and the format as it gets more solved, decks will get better. So this deck will probably get better too. Something that's something that's worth remembering is that you sideboard uh, a lot all the time against pretty much every deck. You actually just like bring in fifteen cards, boarding out all your creatures. Uh, that's what I did in that uh, scoreboard. <laughs> I saw you shake your head your head a little, Dan, when you said it was hard to play. Was that in jest or do you disagree? Uh, Yes and no. Like the actual games aren't particularly complicated. It's all a matter of like, oh, uh, my opponent's representing settle the wreckage. Should I attack with all of my creatures or one? Hmm. I'll attack with one. Settle the wreckage. Cool. Smart. <laughs> like, like sometimes those decisions are actually complicated, but the premises of a lot of them like aren't necessarily that that hard. Like you. you your mid range deck. The the hardest part about building, sorry, the hardest part about decks like this is always going to be building and sideboarding them, and not like actually playing up the games. Your cards are individually powerful. Well, sorry, not necessarily always true. Like your cards are good. The order in which you play your cards is generally going to be like determined by what your opponent's doing. It's not like, oh yeah, you're supposed to play history finale on turn six, not on turn three. Like no, you play the damn card. It's like pretty obvious, but. Like figuring out how to build and sideboard ends up being the the really crucial parts about these decks. Unfortunately, you can have other people do that for you. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, Derek, with a must be nice type of reaction. Uh, Derek, you were just streaming prior prior to uh, the show. Saw both you and your opponent going down to less than a minute. You're still jamming your green black snakes. How how do you think that deck? Uh, where do you think that deck is? Uh, is it in a good spot for, for the upcoming weekend? Um, I think it is. I think the one thing that we come back to every single week is that there's no best deck. Um, and I think that as we go deeper into the format and things are defined, 
uh, picking out a good sideboard is one of the best ways to figure out how to, how to like keep winning. And so I started losing again when people all of a sudden just started jamming black red. Um, there was a, a little bit of information released uh, prior to this weekend or before this weekend. Uh, and basically talking about how to sideboard correctly into a mid range deck. And um, I think that uh, now that I've been crushed enough by the mid range deck, that is black red. Uh, I think I can build a sideboard better, which was way worse matchup. But I think like black red's black green's worst matchup. But I think uh, if, if you understand how black white is sideboarding, if you understand how blue white is sideboarding, if you understand how mono red is sideboarding, then as any deck in the format, you can beat those decks, which is like what I think is one of the biggest points. Like if I bring in Lifecrafters Beast Cherry against the white black decks and they have Fumigates and Settles against me and I just get a card advantage every single turn and have creatures on the board every single turn, they only have so many answers, right? Um, and obviously they have Castos and everything, but I have Brontodons. And so I think that like... Fournier saying that people committing to the board and green decks is a, is a good uh, data point because people aren't playing the deck correctly. People aren't sideboarding correctly because they don't understand that Fumigate's coming in and people aren't understanding that Planeswalkers are important and you should be bringing in this to the pressure Chandra's and Karn's and get card advantage sort of thing, right? Um, and so I, I think that there's, there's like a hive mind going on currently. People release a deck list give you a sideboard guide and people buy into it. And even if we look at the GP last weekend, uh, Matthew Folks released um, a sideboard guide with a deck list for black, red, uh, mid range, I guess you would call it. And Simon Nielsen, the guy who won the tournament said in his top eight profile that him and Fabrizio tuned the deck to beat the mirror. And the amount of uh, black, red decks on day two was 27%. So if you're expecting to play black, red, one in every four times, and you beat the mirror, and you think you're going to beat every other deck because they haven't adjusted to this black, red meta, or meta, you'll probably just win the Grand Prix, right? And so I think that that's a really important thing to notice, is that they understood the meta, they be, built a deck to beat the meta. Is this deck the best deck? We don't know yet, but it beat the meta this week. And I think, I think going forward, that's what we have to remember. Uh, do you do you already have ideas of how you would adjust it? Because you just said that, uh, well, red, black red was the most popular deck. Not only that, it, it won the tournament, and you're saying it's the best worst matchup for for your green black deck. And how are you planning to adjust your sideboard to attack it? Um, so chain whirlers really good against me. So I cut all I cut glint sleeves, I cut snakes, and I bring in. So I bring in two of the. What's the five mana enchantment? The um, Eldest Reborn. The Eldest Reborn. That card's <laughs> a house. I bring in uh, one Sky Sovereign. I bring in two Brontodons, two Ripjaw Raptors, and two Duresses. And I think that... Oh, and two, two Nissas. So I've been trying out two Nissas now. And you, just, you just sort of go grind plan. Like, they're going mid-range. You can't go under them. You also have to go mid-range. Um, you leave in Llanowar Elves because they put you from one to three and two to four really quick, which is, like, even though they're weak to Chain Whirler, um, they're kind of just a dead card anyways, some amount of the time. Uh, like, I would suggest, like, if you're going to make another cut out of the deck, it would be Llanowar Elves, but I've been finding if you go big against the the, mon- the red decks, you blank a lot of their removal, 
if you bring in planeswalkers and enchantments and stuff like that. So you said that there isn't a best deck. There's right. almost always a best deck. And based on the results from that GP, it's probably black red. But <laughs> none of us really know what's going on. But I can say one thing for certain. The best deck is not black green conservator. <laughs> oh, I love that take. All right. Whatever you want. Yeah, you won the PDQ. Uh, <laughs> that's cool that you respect the scoreboard. No one else does. No, I'm kidding. It, it, uh, it wouldn't matter whether <laughs> I came up with a good argument. Because that's right. I just made the results say otherwise. I mean, so it's just like. I mean, yeah, results are in the thinking is obviously bad in magic, but it's also very funny. So I mean, like, I have eight I, trophies I, on Moto, feel it. Five of them are with Snake. Like, I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> uh, to play well? No, I'm kidding. Uh, I, this, can't this your I, can't, I can't do that to you. I close my eyes and click badly. <laughs> I have two real points to make. Uh, first off, uh, Duress is the best uh, card in every matchup post-board in this format. Uh, every single thing you were talking about is a non-creature spell, so just play 400 copies of Duress, and you'll probably have some form of advantage in a mid-range mirror. The turn before they play that Nissa, that's going to be good. Spend one of your four or five mana to do Duress, and play something else. You're probably going to win. That's really good. Also, it's uh, cool as hell that Simon Nielsen won the tournament, despite not showing up to one of his rounds. Like, he literally didn't show up to round nine of the tournament, and tweeted, like, yo, uh, this is my DCI. Can someone tell him not to drop me? And then he won. That's <laughs> awesome. Was, was he XO <laughs> heading into day two and just went to, down to XO? Uh, I think he had a loss and just like slept in. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's, that's dope. Great. That is <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Never give up, even if <laughs> you, you just drop a game. I think let's see if I can... Look him up real quick here. I think I think you're right. He had, uh, yeah, he was 21 points heading into day two. So he already had a loss. Sleep in. Uh, it doesn't matter. Loss. So I can take I can take a loss. I can take a loss. <laughs> uh, there's a Twitter account called uh, uh, it's, it's some like Ben Stark parody account. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear in here. I never remember. Uh, but um, there is there is a bit where it's like. It's, it's, it's a parody of Best Dark, right? And one of them's like, ah, uh, sir, when do I have to show up with three buys? Noon, one, two? Can it be three? I, I can take a loss. Don't drop me. <laughs> just, just, just this, like, yeah, who cares? Whatever. We'll show up to the tournament. I can take a loss. I won't lose after, so whatever. So, like. Derek, I'm sort of disappointed. I think this was the quickest white flag uh, you've had on the show. Um, I was hoping you could run back the where's your 5 0 list like you did, Brian, but. You know, we, we see Dan. Dan's name is right there. MTG Goldfish at the top. 11 yeah. out. If I say anything bad to Fournier, I'm banned. So <laughs> I can't. I can't get in his face about anything. You got You got to pick your battles. And this one, I know I can't win. Um, okay, Eddie, let's have you jump in. Uh, so what are you? Black red vehicles, black white, green black snake. You've been playing a bit. What's 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 your where's your head at? Uh, I've played a lot of leagues, and so what keeps happening to me is I keep, like, uh, 4-1-ing with a deck or, like, doing pretty well with a deck, like a couple 4-1s, and then I, like, go 0-3 drop, 0-3 drop, and I'm like, oh, God, move on to the next deck. And so I, I'm personally, I'm uh, I'm stuck. I have no clue what to play. 
I, I've played every deck. I've played every deck through a lot of leagues. <clears throat> and every deck has, like, it feels like no deck is, like, clearly the best deck. And, like, obviously that's a great thing for the format, but it's terrifying for me. I, like, I understand. I just want to play Teamer Energy or I just want to play Blue White Flash. But I don't get to have that because for once, for once, the format is at a point where nothing is so far above and beyond everything else that I actually have to figure some stuff out. So currently, at this very moment, I'm playing blue, black control splashing Teferi. Because it has the good black early removal for the, the red-black deck and has Vraska's Contempt, which is actually well-positioned again, I think. So that's currently what I'm playing, but I, I have no... Full. I, I, I certainly can't say with full confidence that I think it's very good. I just think uh, Teferi is one of the best cards I've ever played with in Standard. And uh, the black removal is good, and blue has some good counterspells. So that's currently what I'm playing. But uh, if the GP was tomorrow, what would I play? I would probably just play the blue-white control deck. That won the GP, basically. Or this came second, sorry. And... Uh, it's funny because that list is almost identical to the list Brian Gottlieb brought to the show, and I told him he was insane for not playing enough win conditions, and that guy's got two less. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess uh, he's not wrong, and like time and time again, he's just right all the damn time. But uh, yeah, so the, the blue-white control deck is what I would play if it was the GP was tomorrow. Only because I'm so afraid of Teferi, I'd rather be the Teferi than fight the Teferi. Okay. What do you think about that, Diane? Are you scared of Teferi? I mean, Teferi's really good, I guess. Uh, that card's really strong. I, I do think that the decks that it goes in are all really bad, and they're, they're very carried by the obscene power of that card. It's so cheap, it, it only effectively costs three mana. It generates a pretty overwhelming amount of card advantage. It can wipe problematic permanence off the board. Like that card's sick. The rest of the blue white's really awkward because uh, its removal is weird. The solution to that is probably to be playing it in a deck that has access to like black or red. Uh, Just guy is probably bad, uh, but some kind of Esper deck is actually probably quite strong. Uh, I was messing around with one on Moto. I'm three on a leak with it right now. With it's basically mono black with the Scarab God and Teferi. <laughs> Uh, the mana kind of works, I guess. It's probably fine. Uh, there's probably a Scarab God deck that's good in this metagame. Um, but it, it's always going to be hard to have those decks line up well against like uh, a format that's full of uh, Bowmat Curry or Scrap Heap Scrounge or Chandra. All these like resilient, uh, aggressive threats that put you on your uh, like put you on on a like a, a defensive footing. And then you try to play a Scarab God, and they go, unlicensed disintegration kill you. Uh, so for those decks to be good, you have to find uh, a build that lets you play Scarab God when you're not dead on board. And that's really awkward in a format full of Bowmat Courier. So, yeah. Dan, what are your plans for, for this upcoming weekend? You, do you actually not have a team? Oh, I have a team. I'm playing with uh, Dan Lanthier and the Legacy Seat and the boy, the man, the legend, Tyler Nightingale in modern. Yes, yes, send Ooh, in, Tyler, in. Yes, Tyler. I oh, we yes, Tyler. 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 Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't have to do that. 
Oh my god. Obligated. Uh, Tyler's great. Dan's great. We're gonna win. Uh, actually I'm gonna have to concede at some point so that Tyler doesn't get on the pro tour because of me. <laughs> I'm doing Canadian magic a favor and keep him uh, keep him at bay. Actually, the sweetest thing about my team is today I got Tyler to agree that if we win the GP, he will not vote for Doug Ford in the upcoming provincial election. <laughs> so I'm doing political activism by playing Magic the Gathering tournaments. For those who don't know, Ontario is having a provincial election for our premiership soon. And uh, a uh, basically fascist fat guy is running for office. And we already you already have one of those in the United States. We don't want a second one, so I'm going to win this GP for the people. I really want you to win this Grand Prix, yeah. Please. I don't want to win it. <laughs> I feel like we could have an entire other podcast talking about non-magic things. <laughs> magic sucks. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I can't well, win anything. Which I can win a PTQ, am I right? Anyway, uh-huh. Yeah, Derek, have you seen any good memes lately? Got any good memes? <laughs> I'm not allowed to meme it. What the hell? No, magic's great. I like he, magic. It's actually really good. Has he not? Ever made it? I felt like he made it once. Or no? no. T- Tyler played a pro tour. We, we, we <laughs> Derek, Tyler, and I went to Nashville together. We, for- yeah, me, me, Tyler, and Fournier all stayed in the same room. We all queued for the same pro tour. It was mine, Tyler's first PT. And uh, rooming with Tyler was a ride. Um, There's you so know, many good stories. <laughs> yeah, if, if you don't know who Tyler Nightingale is, catch him at your, your local Grand Prix. You'll be able to hear him. A high kicking. Yeah. <laughs> At any given point. You can, so, all you have to do to find Tyler is to find a random uh, platinum pro and stay nearby him for like, I don't know, five minutes. Tyler will appear and be like, hey, hey it's me. I'm Tyler. You might know me. I'm, uh, random decisions on photo. Hey, how's it going? I'm Tyler. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And you're like, I'm good. <laughs> you just like say something really weird that alienates the poor guy and walk away. Sick. <laughs> Yeah, I, I second this. He's very easy to find at GPs. Uh, but this team, Matt, wow. Like, depends on which Dan uh, Lancia you're getting. He's Sometimes he's uh, he's one of my close, closer friends on, on uh, that plays Magic. And sometimes he can be stoked, Dan. So seeing Lantier with Tyler is like an interesting mix. I know, right? It's going to be so sick. <laughs> He'll kill him. He'll kill him for sure. Yeah, I just feel I like I'm going to kill him. This is going to be great. I think, I think so Tyler's invincible. I think at some point somebody would have killed him already. So he has to be invincible. <laughs> I, I think he almost it's... died a few times in Nashville. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's very important to have like uh, Lanty in the legacy seat and Tyler in the standard seat so he never sees what he did. <laughs> no, I strategically placed Tyler in the middle so that I wouldn't have to deal with the two of them interacting. <laughs> also, I, I hate modern, so there's that. All right. Um, Andy, do you have any more questions uh, regarding standard for, for Dan? Um, so uh, we, we briefly talked about it before the cast of what you think of your deck versus uh, the Ben Sec deck that uh, did well at the GP. Like some main differences are like Vraska's contempts, I think, in the main deck, and it plays one less car. And what what do you think of your deck versus that deck? Yeah, basically the difference. Uh, the sideboard's like pretty similar. He has settled the wreckages, which I'm not a huge fan of. 
uh, I think it's very easy for people to not play into Settle, and that's awkward. Uh, the main deck changes otherwise are that instead of I have four push, two cast out, he has three push, three contempt. I have four Karn, two Gideon, he has three Karn, three Gideon. It's two Angel of Sanctions over Lyra Dawnbringer. Uh, I think most of these changes are kind of kind of marginal, like Vraska's Contempt and cast out play very similar roles. Uh, I personally am a fan of cast out over Vraska's Contempt, not because of any kind of mana situation, but because... Uh, I like cast out a lot more versus control. The way I play versus the control decks is fairly aggressive. I try to present uh, attacks every turn. And the way the matchup often plays out is that you're attacking with like a heart of Kirin over and over again. They have like two cards that answer it. Settle the wreckage and cast out. And uh, you make them settle the wreckage when they're at like four or eight or whatever, and then you play another one, and then they use their cast out on it. And with the trigger on the stack on their cast out, you cast out their cast out. Uh, because of the way cast out and like all the new O-ring effects work, the Heart of Kieran is never exiled, and they just die from lethal damage. So your cast outs are basically like a weird counter spell for their cast outs. And I know this sounds like weird and marginal, but it happened like ten times in the PTQ. Like, like it was just so important having cast out for their cast out. Uh, where Frost's attempt obviously doesn't do that. If you end up playing a much grindier game against Control, then I think Vrasus Contempt is significantly superior because you're able to permanently exile their Teferis. Whereas if you cast out their Teferi, they're just going to cast out it back eventually. And, you know, that's bad. And in post-board games, you're going to have a bunch of copies of a... Uh, it's not Forsake the Worldly, but the one... The, the Disenchanted Games for Life, whatever it's called. Um... And obviously, that card makes cast out be a huge liability. So, so like the way you're supposed to be using cast out that matchup is literally as a counter spell to attack for lethal. And I don't think you're winning those matchups unless you're presenting a threat and being aggressive with it. So, I think it's actually that cast is better. There's that's that. That's not the main thing that's different about his list, anyways. His biggest thing is Angel of Sanctions over uh, uh, Lyra Dawnbringer, and I actually like that a lot. Uh, Lyra Dawnbringer. This this pains me to say, but like, Badeslayer Angel, I think sucks right now. Uh, the deck that it's best against is red, but all the red decks are black red with foreign license disintegrations in them. You don't actually have very many great targets for license disintegration. They have a braids for your uh, what's it called, Heart of Kirins. So you're going to play your Lyra. It's going to die. You're going to take three, and then you're going to die. Even the red decks all have like 400 copies of a uh, fight with fire in them. So Lyra is a very unreliable uh, game-ending threat, whereas Angel of Sanctions is nice. It's nice as hell. It's more O-rings. I love O-ring. <laughs> Andy, does, does that convince you which version you, you would rather go with? I don't think anything can convince me of anything right now. I'm I'm in shambles with this format. Uh, I like. I thought it was a good good point, good argument because the brass contempts. Well, I exiled some Teferis. They also sat in my hand quite often, so maybe Castos is better. It does cycle too. Yeah, Castos is cycling. That's messed up. For That's me, so it's a it's a running joke with uh, my friend group that I'm not allowed to play any cards that have cycling on them. Because eventually I just like cycle away all my removal and all my threats, and I'm like, ah, damn it, I'm dead. <laughs> so maybe cycling is a downside for me. Maybe I don't have the big brain for it. You can solve that with playing better. 
Yeah, I'll probably play Rascal's Contempt. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's fine. Rascal's Contempt's probably better, actually. I don't know. The life game's really good. Right. I'm going to try to get Dean McLaren on the show. Dan, do you want to stay on for, for any modern chat? Have you I'm been touching? I've been playing some modern for fun. All right, all right. Um, while he tries to get in, um, we've seen like KCI win a GP at the hands of Matt Nass. Then we had humans finish first and second in the mocks. And I remember on my Twitter feed, hello, how's it going, Dean? Can you hear hello. us? Hello. Yes. Welcome to the show. And congratulations on yet another, I think this is your second open win. Uh, yeah, it's my second one. Yep. I've got uh, this here. <laughs> Pretty good. It's my second Red Deer one. I, it would have been my third, but uh, I got second last time in Red Deer. Um, to me, it's really impressive just because if you had one, like, I don't know, even uh, I love to toot Montreal's horn, but if you had one, like, Montreal twice, not that impressive. But just because, not, not because of the players, because we, we have quite good players there, but the, the amount of people that Alberta draws to, to the Opens is absolutely insane. I can't believe it. Um, you know, we used to think that only Toronto could draw s- such awesome numbers, but Red Deer, Calgary, Edmonton consistently, the, the turnout is just ridiculous. And to hear that you've gone first, second, first is like, it's actually mind-blowing, Dean. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty surprised myself. It's uh, I'm I'm happy with it. That's for sure. Uh, I'm gonna have to credit Doug. I've been hearing him praise the McLaren brothers since like I, I met him. So this has been like eight years ago. That you guys are awesome, and uh, it's glad to glad, I'm really glad to see you crush it. And then of course you were on uh, the pro tour on the uh, infamous team first strike. <laughs> I love it. First love strike. It. Um. So I was uh, while we were trying to get you on the show, I was talking about how Matt Nassa won case with KCI. Shaheen a year ago on the show was was talking up, saying like some, something needs to get banned uh, uh, in the deck, but he wasn't he didn't get the final config right yet. And then we had humans win the mocks first and second, and we had Brad Nelson on my Twitter feed, and and many other pros were like, "Oh man, you guys are such idiots for not playing humans. Uh, humans is clearly the best deck." I think I've seen a lot of tweets during that weekend stating that um where do you th- think the format was be- before you played uh, the tournament this past weekend uh, yeah i felt like it was mono humans the the weekend before there was another tournament in red deer too a big one and humans got first and third so yeah i was af- i was afraid of humans for sure um but i just practiced much kci that I'm just like, maybe I can dodge humans or maybe I did some testing and people were just naming the wrong, complete wrong things with meddling mage. And um, for the, for all my testing, I had a hanger back Walker in the slot of one of the three engineered explosives. But at the last moment I changed it to the third explosives. And then I just played against humans once in the top eight the entire time. I got really lucky against them. So worked out perfectly for me but moving forward yeah humans is really scary so you don't like you don't actually like that matchup no i'm i don't like it they just have so much interaction like um 
the engineered explosives are so good though. Like you just, the key is against humans. I, I was testing, I was doing engineered explosives for one to kill like all these things, but that was just useless. Always on to just, if they just in the dark, like if they have nothing in play, just place it on to keep it on to and uh, use the trick with Thalia. They have Thalia, you go X equals one, but then pay the two colored mana to get it up to two, and uh, that's that's your way to win. Had you been playing KCI for, for a while, or was this like after the GP win that Matt Nass had, and you tried to give it a whirl and, and decided it was pretty fun? I'd been playing it before any of that GP stuff for a long time. Um, and the the one thing I had for a long time is I had four Ghost Quarters in my list. So I ended up playing Matt Nass's, I think, exact list, except minus two Grove of the Burn Willows and minus two Aether Hub. And then I had four Ghost Quarter. And I just made a list here of things I did with the Ghost Quarter to, to sell you on it a little bit. <laughs> I uh, killed the Utopia Sprawl land, Ink Moth. I killed a uh, Bounce land with the. Amulet trigger on the stack. Killed the Eldrazi Temple. I uh, used a straight land destruction against Leonian Arbiter. <laughs> and and the key is is it's just a fetch land when you target your own Dark Steel Citadel. Ooh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what what else? Did, what other decks did, did you see uh, at the Red Deer Open? Um, I played against Eldrazi T- Tron. Jund, Ponza, Affinity, Affinity, Boggles, Uxus, Monoway Bears, Humans in the top eight, then Dredge in the top eight, and then Hollow One in the finals. Those are the decks I saw. There, there was a lot of humans there, but I mostly dodged. Lucky, lucky you. Yeah. I, wonder, I, I was uh, typing up some of the lists. Uh, they should be up tomorrow. I don't think the uh, some of the hype on Twitter land was uh, Affinity getting Karn and playing with Karn. Didn't see that in the top eight list uh, in Red Deer, so they weren't messing with that technology yet. I don't think. I one of the Affinity guys against me played Karn, and he I've only seen it in standard so far. So he played it. I'm like, oh, I just instantly win. Like he's just gonna plus it for a card and minus it for a card, but he made like a six six and then like a nine nine and. I just barely won. Yeah, Karn, I like. So, so you actually got to see it, like, so, so it's the real deal of modern, you think? Yeah, yeah, it looked real, real good. Andy, our Affinity resident, Affinity expert, your thoughts on uh, Karn? We, we were talking about on, the, on this show for multiple episodes, but to finally see it, like, get, get into action is pretty awesome. Well, uh, Karn made the the legacy top eight. There was like four or five copies throughout the legacy top eight of the GP Birmingham, and eleven copies in standard. So it being in modern is not surprising at all, especially because Affinity is already a tier one deck, and it has fast mana. And Karn will help you kill really fast, but also will get you uh, help you grind if you're like uh, not actually presenting a big board at the time. So it kind of does a good role for Affinity, which is sometimes it has to try and do that kind of stuff because everyone has hate for Affinity. So being able to play around the hate 
and also just making like six sixes to kill them very fast is two good things for a planeswalker. So it does a lot of things to help affinity. So I, I would not not surprised at all. I could see it in the main deck in, in like one to two. I could see it, I could see four copies on the seventy five and it would not be that weird to me. It's too bad you're not you're not the mo- well it's kind of cool that you're not the modern seat this weekend with uh, turbo counters uh, taking <laughs> being on display, hopefully being on display uh, this upcoming weekend. Uh, Dan, uh, what have you been messing with uh, in modern? I'm, uh, I'm of the opinion that uh, you're supposed to play what you're the most comfortable with in modern. Unfortunately, the thing I'm the most comfortable with is atrocious steam vents control decks. So I'm <laughs> continuing to play just guy control and I'm not winning any matches. That is all. Karn is good in Affinity. It's true. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Teferi's also really good in Jeskai. Jeskai's bad, but Teferi's good in Jeskai. Uh, Brad Nelson and Paul Dean played good Jeskai lists to, uh, I think, just as, I think this was at the Mox playoffs. I think it was like just outside of top eight or some in top eight. Uh, they have some 6 2 finishes that are posted on MTG Goldfish with Jeskai Control with some water that are very good that make use of Teferi. Uh, I would recommend checking those out. Turns out that Teferi plus uh, Search for Iskanta, just as it is in standard, is a really good card advantage engine in modern. But if people are playing decks like KCI, then maybe playing a bunch of Lightning Bolts isn't a good approach to the format. So, yeah, Jeskai's bad. That's all. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. That was, that was awesome. Uh, Derek, uh, what's your strategy? Have you set the decks, uh, your team set the decks that you guys are going to play for your team? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I played a, a like a test trios event this weekend, and our modern player played humans. And when he didn't get unlucky, the deck just went off. Like He had a Manus Rider in play, and his opponent Crypto commanded it, tapped the team. And then he vialed in Restoration Angel and attacked them for lethal with the Mana Strider. And like the fact that they were on three by turn five already just means that the deck's super powerful and resilient. And the fact that like Restoration Angel blanks removal and uh, like doubles ETB effects, like it uh, flickers meddling mage if you need to, it flickles, flickers free booter if you need to. I think the deck's just super powerful and resilient. Uh, it's definitely one of the better decks in the format. And yeah, like I, modern's still very what's the word volatile. So, like Fournier said, you pick a deck you're you're more most comfortable with and play it. So I would just play an aggro deck, and it would probably be humans. Dean, like I'm scrolling back to uh, your past results at the Red Deer Opens. Like you won with In Fact, you finished second with Death Shadow, then you win with KCI. Just willing to to pilot anything and win with it. Um, are, is is in fact and, and Death Shadow just currently dead? Uh, looks like it to me. I'm I'm surprised. I didn't think Death Shadow would ever die. I don't even know really what pushed it out. It I I I was thinking it should be banned, but um, yeah, just no one no one plays it. I played it to an RPTQ a while back and just didn't do well with it, and then haven't touched it since. Uh, what would would you recommend someone pick up uh, this upcoming weekend for for if they were the modern seat of the uh, team event at GP Toronto? Uh, depends what they're most familiar with, but you can't go wrong with humans or affinity. I'd say. 
Okay. Seems seems pretty consensus that that humans is awesome. Uh, Dean, what what are you and your brother up to now? Are are you qualified for for any upcoming events? Are you planning to to go to anywhere? Uh, travel to play anything? I have. Uh, I've been helping test for the upcoming pro tour. I'm not qualified for it, um, but I do have a team uh, for the RPTQ. The team RPTQ in about a month. So we're going to work on unified standard for that. Uh, Chantel Campbell and uh, Jesse Lysenko, her boyfriend, are my team for that. Sweet, sweet. Excited to see that because Chantel is definitely a a friend of the show. Yeah. Um, So your brother's qualified for the upcoming Pro Tour. Uh, Hmm. Some, okay, well, tell us anything, some, some exciting stuff. That we might um, see. What can I say? I, I that I I helped him out. I've shaped his decision, but uh, can't really say much more than that. All right. Um, how confident is he in draft? <laughs> he done. I think yesterday he's done zero drafts. So I think I saw him drafting today. So so he's he's getting started. So that's good. <laughs> All right. I'm always excited to see him and do well. I mean, he almost ran it back, uh, becoming like a two-time champion. So that was exciting to watch, uh, yeah. especially with Just Guy Colors. That was, yeah, that was uh, very good. Man, ho- hoping to see see you back on the PT. So uh, hopefully you, you get you crush that RPTQ. Yeah, that that would be great. I had a, had a good run, about five in a row, but I've fallen off. It's a tough grind, but I'll see what I can do. <laughs> All right. Um, shout outs to, to people in chat. Hashtag Inbantwin. That's clearly for Fournier. Um, Yo, why is Twin banned? Let's get real. Okay, let's get real for a minute here. I'm sorry that you have to hear this, but look at what's going on in modern right now. Is this a format where Splinter Twin is unfair? Is Splinter Twin too much for this format right now? You could play a meddling mage on turn two, naming Splinter Twin. See, you could play any number of cards that would easily defeat Splinter Twin. Chase the Mind Sculptor is legal, and the Jeskai control decks aren't even playing it because it's not good enough. Chase the Mind Sculptor is a way better card than Splinter Twin, objectively. I know someone will eviscerate me on Twitter for saying that, but why is Twin Bay? Come on. Give me back my baby, please. Please. <laughs> I want to win a match of modern again. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Dean, were you ever a fan of Twin? Would you like to see yeah. it come back? Well, I was I was mono twin up until it was banned. That's the only thing I played for the longest time. Oh, yeah. uh, I always thought it should be banned the entire time I was playing it. So, I mean, I wish it was back for my own sake, but I thought it was too good. It it just it. I remember it was a period of like two years. No one knew how to play against it. They just tap out and die. It it took like two years and it seeped into the magic consciousness. Like everyone had to know how to play against it. And it just shaped, I feel like it completely shaped modern. And it was, I just thought it was too good. Uh, it was great, wasn't it? it, I, it I, really I miss was. those days. I miss it. 
I, I remember there's if if you look back in like me and Dan's chat log on Facebook, you'll see like five years ago. I'm like, man, is Boomerang actually good in Twin? What are we doing? <laughs> and like, should we go to should we go up to three Snapcasters in Twin, dude? Those, I remember those, those days. days back when Twin was all like, hmm, how many spell guides can I put in my geeky geeky deck? Nobody knew and, how to and, build uh, it. Yeah, and then Team Sia's basement. With uh, David Kaplan and Glenn McEwen brought a uh, Snapcaster Mage Splinter Twin to a Grand Prix in Detroit. We had a bunch of boomerangs in our deck, and it was awesome. <laughs> Everyone's Snapcaster Mage Boomerang on the play before. It's nice. I mean, you lose like 10 turns later, but it's still really nice. It feels good. Um, I did love those Nutras. The boomerang into XR tap your thing, twin it. Oh, you only had one land the whole game, CNL. You'd be on the play, you'd go land go, they'd go colonnade, you'd go land boomerang, they'd replay the colonnade, you'd play a blood moon, <laughs> they would cry. It was sick. I love making people feel sad. In magic, in magic. Um, I saw on, on Twitter, Trick Jarrett mentioned that announcement day on Friday, people are. I even see your reply, your tweet, uh, Dan. What do you think it could be about? Premier Play? Could it be? Uh, I don't think they'll make any major announcements in regards to Premier Play. Uh, I think they've already kind of laid out their plan, so to speak. I assume there's like more pro tours to announce or something. But uh, they, already, uh, they already laid out their extremely convoluted changes to the pro tour that no one really understands. And uh, I assume they're going to announce Battle Bond 2 and 3 and uh, plain Commander and Thala Brawl. That's what it's going to be for. Uh, I actually, I mean, I always hope that there's major organized play announcements because I think the current state of organized play in Magic is uh, like, sorry, out of the state of premier organized play from Wizards of the Ghost right now is very poor. Grand Prix are bad. There's too many team events. Uh, the Pro Players Club is like, horrendously inaccessible. It's it's a pipe dream that's not even like worth achieving. Which hurts to say because uh, I, I love it more than like I love playing this game competitively more than anything else. But it's such like a it's such like a, a grind that's completely unrewarding. And I hope so much, so much, constantly over and over again that they make these changes that are going to actually improve it. But every time it's like, oh, we're making announcements to change the way this works. And so it's, oh, oh, they've taken another $50,000 out of the payouts to Platinum, like surreptitiously. And it, it's so frustrating because I, I want this game to be a successful, like, esport adjacent thing more than anything else. And they just, like, continue to take money out of it. So uh, I'll continue hoping that there are two announcements that, uh, one, uh, there's uh, good Magic the Gathering tournaments again, and the second announcement is that Splinter Twin is unbanned in water. <laughs> so I'm going to be really disappointed on Friday, is all I'm saying when they announce um, <laughs> Arch Enemy Plane Chase 3 <laughs> in uh, $20 booster packs. I hope we'll be out of complete left field if like Chick Jarrett or someone is the one that announced, hey, Splinter Twin is that one bad. I'll, I'll take it. Literally anybody. <laughs> could have anybody do it. They could have like Urza's Tower announced that Twin would be banned, and I'd start playing Tron out of respect. Like that made no sense, but I would still do it. <laughs> but but you're right. I, I mean, I've just had this discussion with, with some of the pro players that uh 
know, sometimes a lot of these players are being sold this dream, like travel the world. And what ends up happening is like you just travel the world and play all these like really bad EV tournaments that are yeah a waste of your your time and money and energy. And so I do. I'm hoping for the same thing for the players to make it uh, more awesome to pursue. Um, that's that's definitely something I'm on board with. You pay four hundred, five hundred dollars for a flight to somewhere that's like ostensibly bad. Uh, like I don't know, maybe someone's listening from someplace like Richmond, Virginia. So I won't uh, say anything too bad about it. But like, let's get real. Most cities in the United States of America are not great tourist destinations. You pay four hundred dollars for a flight to a place that kind of sucks. You pay another. Uh, hundred dollars for your entry fee for this property you pay another 150 dollars splitting the floor of a hotel room with six other sweaty cats and if you're really 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 lucky and you win almost all of your matches in the tournament you're going to get a prize payout that pays for one third of your flight like oh hell yeah hell yeah dude oh sick i got two pro points that's like what three percent of what i need to actually get like value out of my pro points because they're worthless unless you're platinum, uh, which you now can't get. Or if you could, you wouldn't understand because oh, that doesn't fit into my six event total in my rotating cycle for the first quarter of 2018 2019 season. Like it, it's it's inscrutable. It's basically pointless unless you literally like literally top eight the Grand Prix of two thousand players. Your trip is worthless. Uh, inter- like it's fun. It's great. It's a great time playing a Magic Grand Prix. Is fun. But in terms of the value you get out of playing these tournaments, it's so infinitesimally small. And you, you, you notice that Grand Prix attendance has been kind of stalling out recently. These events used to always be 1,800, 2,000, 2,200 players, and now random standard Grand Prix are like, oh, it's another 800-player Grand Prix. It's like, oh, it's the cool limited release weekend. So it's like, okay, cool, it's 1,200 players. Why would it be more? The, like the game's successful, product selling pretty well again. Dominaria was great. Why aren't nobody playing Grand Prix? Because they're bad, and it would be great if they were good. <laughs> That's it. I love that rent. I yeah, I do wonder if it's people realizing it because I, I thought I thought just people couldn't resist no matter what. Um, like I I try to go to any just because you know it's the best place to see all all my magic friends and, and everything. So I don't know if it's like because people have realized it or, or there's two, there's a lot of them now. Um, Dina, do you have any quick thoughts? Um, on, on the Grand Prix situation specifically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not great. I mean, Sean, hardly ever travels to Grand Prix. Like him specifically, his his top eight percentage is like insane. Like he top eights like half the Grand Prix he goes to, but he just doesn't go to them even if they're close just because just very strict into the EV calculation and it's just like bad for him even. So I I don't know. He said, I think he said, I asked him, like, what would be the best thing for MTG? And he's like, if you could play at home Pro Tours and at home Grand Prix, that would be the ideal situation for <laughs> fixing that for him, at least. Mm, Grand Prix Magic Online. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> With a blessing and a curse in disguise. 
oh, I can't wait for it to crash at the end of round 12 and we have to start yeah. all over again. <laughs> yeah. That happened to GP Toronto one year. That was oh. great. Do you, do you remember wait, that? Uh, no. Um, so I think it was 20, 2012, 2013. Uh, we're crashed like in round six or seven and they had to recreate it all. I don't remember how they did it, but uh, yeah, it was it was like an hour after we built it from the match slips. Oh, that's a score. As a scorekeeper, that's how. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I, I missed that GP, but I can was, only uh, imagine how unpleasant that would be as a player experience. It was. It was. <laughs> they're twiddling their thumbs while their software doesn't work. Yeah, it, it was either it was either Pez's last event in Canada, or it was Gamekeeper's last event, and it was the last Grand Prix that you could sign that you could. It was sorry. It was the first Grand Prix that you had to sign up before the Saturday. So people were showing up Saturday morning to sign up and people, they were, they, they're like, okay, whatever. There's 150 of you. We'll let you sign up. It took an extra two hours. We're crashed. It was great. What a good time. But uh, yeah, on, on Fournier's note, queuing for Nashville really put me off the pro scene. Um, being on the pro tour and seeing these players, like it's sort of humbling. Um, once you go to the PT and you see all these people you've put on a pedestal and they look like regular guys that have really difficult jobs that they don't get good pay for. Um, it's really diminishing and deterring to be a competitive magic player as someone who worked really hard to try to get to the PT and then I qualified and then it was, I go there and everything's like the, the lights and whatever, it's, it's all gone. The mirrors are gone and, coverage is bad and the layout's bad and it's just it's very it's very odd um i would suggest if, if you want to queue for the pt queue for the pt once and go experience it yourself maybe it was the fact that i was in nashville not tokyo or or dublin or something but the whole the whole environment was not not what i expected and um not really what i i don't i don't like i want to go back but i don't really know if i want to grind for it i don't know if it's worth it so for that Resolve. most recent Nashville one, there was like there were colored lights and they were shining directly in the eyes, and then there was like smoke in the air or something. Yeah. It was it was just ridiculous. You walk you walk yeah. in and there's this giant stage in the middle. You have to like walk around it to get to your seats, and it's like, oh, what's my seat again? You have to walk back around, and it's so warm because there's these colored lights, and the stage is like off somewhere, and there's like a seating area. I remember sitting down in the seating area and everybody was staring at me and nobody said anything. And I walk out and there's a sign and it's like friends of coverage and family only. And I'm like, what is going on here? Just this giant seating area in the middle. And I'm like, Oh, like I'm just going to go somewhere else. Like what's going on in Nashville, whatever, you know, they did some really weird stuff at that PT that made the hall like really weird and unpleasant to be in. Like it was foggy and dark. Like, you yeah. couldn't really see in that PT. Like, yeah. the first draft, uh, there were a lot of players, especially at the table I was at, which had some of the louder players on the Pro Tour, who will remain unnamed, uh, complaining very loudly about how dark it was. Like, oh, I won't be able to see my picks. Like, you could. You're being a little ridiculous. But it was, like, dark, foggy, and you couldn't see. And something that anyone who's played a PT will... will commiserate with this and what's really one of the really most telling things about wizards organized play it's really nice and representative the wi-fi at pts just like doesn't work they provide player wi-fi and it's like 
you might as well buy data. Like it's so spotty and bad. And it's like, why? Why are you doing this? You're doing like don't do things if you're going to do them poorly. Uh, the, the Pro Tour is great. It's a very it's, it's like for all the doom and gloom, it's easy to be about it. Sorry, for all like yeah, for all the doom and gloom, it's easy to represent about like organized play in the Pro Tour. The event's great. It's the most fun tournament. The Pro Tour is awesome. It, it is still weird and humbling to show up there and be like, oh yeah, they're all wearing flip flops. Yeah, and that, that's what it was. Like, if there's one word for it, it's humbling. Um, sitting down at these tables with these pros and playing against them one on one, it sort of took it all away. And uh, I, I, I don't think personally, if I was on the train, I'd be able to grind that much. We, we tried testing a bit and it was, it was a long drawn out experience. And it turned out that Marvel just destroyed the format anyways. Um, I, my takeaway from that PT was that you're never prepared enough. You, you will never be the top team and you need to put in so much more hours. That's worth your time and money uh, to do it. And this, the state of magic right now is that it, there's not enough incentive to do it. We look at Hearthstone and other things, and as as a competitive player, it's really deterring to try to queue again. But uh, Edgar in chat uh, heard heard it here first, guys. Ginger isn't on the PT again by choice. <laughs> They'll give me a pity invite. They'll be like that, that random redhead kid. It is brutal to see all to go to a pro tour and to see all of these like absolute colossal brain geniuses who are 4 million times smarter than anyone has any business being uh, putting their heart and soul into a game and being like, okay, well maybe if you're lucky, you made $20,000 this year in tournament prizes. Like, okay. Cool. Speaking of pity invites, I literally got a pity invite once I got it. This special invitation to San Diego because I, got second in like three PTQs in a row. And then they gave me a pity invite and some other people too. That was kind of nice. <laughs> I remember I wish they still did that. I, I feel like I'm the most overqualified for a pity invite in history. I know that's like salty <laughs> and like kind of dumb, but Whoa. I lost like, just like, I lost I'm like five sure. matches in a row that would have qualified me for a pro tour at one point. I've missed silver by one match of magic. Like, Twice. Give me an invite. I, I wish we could bring it up. <laughs> I wish I was like one of those like sportscasters with all the stats and like showing, hey, Daniel Fournier's pity resume and then this other dude. <laughs> Daniel Fournier has sucked more than this other guy. Give him an invite. Yeah. Maybe if you won a match once in a while, he'd earn it. <laughs> Sounds like my Twitter. <laughs> We're gonna- Whoever complains the most. Exclamation mark unlucky. Uh, we're going to wrap up the show. Uh, if people have comments about that last segment, uh, definitely go to manadeprive.com, leave your comments. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, Dean. Uh, anything that uh, people can look forward to? Are you still streaming? Any plans on doing that again? Or uh, any, any content or anything on, that you want to plug? Um, just. No, not really. I'm I'm looking forward to Artifact, so that could be a thing. Might stream Artifact when that comes out if it's good. And I just need to give a shout out to my girlfriend Gracie. Love you. All right, sweet shout Aww. out. Thanks for oh coming. Oh my on. god! Thanks for Thanks. coming on, Dean.
Thanks. Okay. That was Dean McLaren, brother of Sean McLaren. Awesome magic player in his own right. Won the latest Red Deer Open uh, with KCI. You can check out the rest of the schedule of the F2F series at f2fseries.faceofacegames.com. Dan, well, what about you? What do we have? Uh, man, you've been actually grinding the, the articles um, lately. Oh, yeah. Check my writing out on manadeprived.com slash. Um, it's probably slash Torrento. I don't really know how that works. Just check it out. <laughs> I write more or less biweekly. I write a lot about standard because I like standard more than anything else. Uh, sometimes we'll get some, uh, some, some modern content up in there. Uh, cheer for my team in uh, Grand Prix Toronto this weekend so we can affect real political change on a grassroots level in, in Toronto by convincing people not to vote conservative. <laughs> Stay woke, my friends. <laughs> always always check Dan's Twitter. Don't. For, uh, don't don't have me. For the hottest <laughs> tapes. Don't you dare look at my Twitter. Um, I've, I've told Lantier, like, I don't know, he, he sometimes has a goofy, goofy self when he's around me and I have told him uh, that he should consider uh, blogging and uh, if he starts any of that this upcoming weekend I think that would be sweet that would be sweet if he just uh... alternatively we could just live vlog everything Tyler Nightingale says <laughs> I think that would be interesting hey guys should I play Noble Hierarch on turn one or should I pass <laughs> uh, I don't know Tyler I think you should pass okay go <laughs> I, I, I can. I, I give Tyler obviously a lot, <laughs> a lot of flack. I love the guy; he's great. The uh, dude's had a lot of uh, great finishes in Magic tournaments lately. A lot of like close calls at Modern Grand Prix. So we should get him on the cast. <laughs> you should, but yeah, <laughs> I I don't know, but uh, Tyler's a risk. <laughs> you never know what Tyler you're going to get. I feel like there's a good chance that he listens because he he. he Messaged me about well, we talked about the Goldfarb episode. Definitely a friend of Goldfarb, so he decided to tune in. Might tune in because of because of you, Forney. So we'll see. Um, thanks for coming uh, on once again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that was sweet. Daniel Fournier, four-time GP top eight, and just won a Moto PTQ with black white vehicles. Uh, when I had mentioned uh, on the previous show, uh, Ginger, that uh, Edgar was one of the first things that come to mind in terms of uh, breaking out. But uh, Dan's four GP top eights are actually fairly like recent. So he, he's, all, he's been putting up the results. And then there's, of course, Andy's boy, Kill Thompson, defending Canadian national champion, also recently won a GP. So I think th- these are the names I would have liked to name drop. And, of course, trophy hunting master, Derek Pite, is also a name to watch. Um, I used to be happy to do those when, when there wasn't uh, any blog. Twitter wasn't huge. Uh, when I first started manadprive.com to like name drop all the top players that I sort of knew of or people were talking about as being the next big thing and stuff like that. So that was kind of cool. Like Jay Elroy, Dan Kramer had all these names. So just rattled off a couple for you guys to, to look out for. So. And especially some of the, the newbies, David Rude, that, that's a newbie. Gabe Sang, those noobs are uh, definitely have to keep tabs on those uh, rookies for upcoming tournaments. So if they break out, you know you heard it here first. Um, Shout-outs to First Strike Nation. 
Producers, Jonathan Good, Kyle Smirchik, Jay Thomas, Eaton, Sasha, Papo, Derek Pite, Matthew Kelly, Adrian Murchison, everyone in the First Strike Nation. I just published today uh, a course, a crash course that Semlin made for us on Dominaria Sealed. So if you plan on grinding that online or if you have an upcoming PPTQ or if you just want to get better at Limited or Sealed or just want to compare notes while you're grinding online or, again, playing at the store, uh, join the nation or if you're in the nation, go check the course out, leave any thoughts. Um, We had some good response on the Rivals Vixalon course that he just did. And so we're going to add on to it if people are actually actively um, drafting basically have Travis do more um, like an add-on video on drafts as he drafts the format more because card evaluations obviously change as the format evolves. So we're going to keep updating that and that's just free with the nation with everything else. Um, And you can just by supporting our podcast by going to patreon.com slash first strike. Anything else you guys want to add Derek? Uh, yeah, there's, there's one thing I just want to touch on. Um, last weekend in Birmingham, Birmingham, um, I think Matthew folks had a huge influence on the, the metagame and black red had a breakout weekend. I think if people are looking to sort of next level the metagame and really figure out what people will be playing, um, I think it, you should be watching Twitch and watching, uh, videos on YouTube and seeing what people are giving basically free content for in modern legacy or standard. Um, these people are putting in hours and a lot of effort to build decks, build sideboard guides and tell you how to play the deck. And I think a lot of people going to their grand prix are this is what, this is their bread and butter. So I think that's what people should be looking out for. Yeah, that's about it. Okay. Definitely twitch.tv slash misplaced ginger. Definitely also check out Gabe Sag's stream as well. Very talented uh, drafter, that fellow. Um, <laughs> he does? Which yeah, one? Uh, Gabe Sang does. There's a guy out there, a mystery man of sorts, who has 62 trophies. That guy's insane. He's insane. He just, he just must draft all day. Who is, There's no way. So, so he averages three a day. Yeah. You'd have no to play one. 16 hours a day. And you know, even if a, I play a, 16 hours a day, I might not even do it. <laughs> a, a dude streams and he he streams like an obscene amount and he he's like third or second or something this guy just like is either insane at limited or just plays magic constantly or there's like five people on this account and they they play 24 hours a day whoa that's a good strat but Gabe saying having 30 is is impressive in yeah, it's right. like a top five top 10 i think yeah he's a master he went 15-0 he like logged on, streamed fifteen zero, and then was like logged off. Just a day day in the life of Gabe Sang. Wow, definitely check out his stuff. Um, I think hopefully his past podcasts are still up. What about you, Andy? Any any last words for uh, the peeps? Shout out to Phil Sams and Kale is upcoming. He's an up and comer too. He yelled at me for not saying it. <laughs> he has more. He has more pro points than both of them. He said. <laughs> I thought I name dropped him. He wanted he you did, to do he it did today, but uh, the last episode I said the people who are breaking out are <laughs> okay. like the da- Dan Fournier, which I'm a genius for saying, and Edgar. And I left out Kale because I didn't want to be showing favoritism to my friend, but obviously he's going to be silver and he's the best and the greatest and he's handsome. <laughs> I think I think 
P. Sams is also a, a relative newcomer to the scene. I think he's he's you know doesn't have that many tournaments under his belt, so he's also someone. He's also someone to look out for. <laughs> he's had gray hair for so long, but someone to to, to keep your eye on, Phil Sams. Um, and uh, okay, for Derek. For Andy, for myself, um, enjoy what a, Monday Night Raw. Enjoy the hockey game. Enjoy basketball if you're watching this um, live. And uh, leave us a like, subscribe, click the notification bell, whatever. Do everything. We love you, and we'll see you next Monday. Thank you.